Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. That's really what we want you to do because, hey. Yeah. <laughs> just just smash it. That's all. Just smash the subscribe just, button. Just, just, just smash it. Caroline Fenton is our guest today on the show. She's doing an afternoon show on 1025 The Game with Jared Stillman, of course. Very new to the Nashville market, but brings a very fresh perspective from Bristol working at ESPN. Going to have a fun conversation with her about sort of what she's experienced, how she sees Nashville uh, as a, a new media member. Going to have a lot of fun talking with her uh, coming up in a few minutes. When they say Jared and company, she plays the role of and company. Yes, she is and company. And uh, uh, I think has a really bright future in this business, really smart uh, host, and and I think growing into the city of Nashville. And so a lot of fun with her talking about sort of her experience of, of moving here. Um, so we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. Of course, we also have recommendations as well. And after recommendations, we'll give you a quick review of the Music City Grand Prix, its debut in Nashville, and how successful it was potentially on the television network as well. However, Lamestream Steve is brought to you by... Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. Because they have free parking, an excellent bar, an excellent menu, fantastic happy hour. Boozy popsicles. Boozy popsicles. They are essentially putting other happy hours and parking lots to shame and their and and every other sports bar menu in town. So they have the best sports bar menu, the best sports bar parking, and the best sports bar happy hour, which makes them what, Steve? It makes them the next evolution of the sports bar. And you can note that when you vote for them in the Nashville scenes, best of poll, which is going on right now, go to NashvilleScene.com, go to best of Nashville, vote for Jasper's for best sports bar. Yeah. There you have it. Vote for Jasper's for best sports bar. So Braden, <laughs> I heard your name on outkick this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, look for, for three guys who are incredibly talented at creating and choosing what content Drives ratings. Apparently, my name is good for ratings. I mean, so, I, you know, who, who knew? Who knew? Dropping Braden Gall in there was just <laughs> going to be the thing that just that took out kick over the top. Uh, <laughs> I am honored. I am honored to be roasted by such such fine gentlemen at Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty. So, uh, yes, of course. Um, the the brouhaha. I don't know what you call it, Steve. Whatever it is uh, that took place this week. Uh, Paul Kaharski tweeted. Something fairly innocuous, probably needed some context. Um, AJ Brown tweeted an F word. I don't think it's a story. So the next morning after the tweets, I was filling in for Jason Martin on J Martin Ramon. And I walked into the studio and I, I had no idea it had happened. And Ramon said, hey, look, there's a, there's a screenshot here of AJ Brown dropping an F word at, at Paul's tweet. And I said, okay, I'm filling in. It's your show. I don't really think it's that big of a story. Here's what I would talk about. What do you guys want to do and how do you want to handle it? And they they sort of decided on the rules of engagement. And I, I respectfully, as a fill-in host, thought because I didn't think it was that big of a story, I just said, you know what? I will uh, go along with, with what you guys decide here. Chad Withrow disagrees with me and had some things to say, of course, on his show, Outkick 360, about me. And so I thought, you know what? Let's just have Chad on the show. I mean, talk, rather than everybody it. talking on Twitter and talking yeah. on whatever, and just talk face to face. Yes, like adult men. Let's just have adult conversations. So I invited Chad on. He was gracious enough to give us just a few minutes of his time on short notice. So we do appreciate it. And here was my conversation with Chad Withrow of Outkick 360. 
Chad, good to see you, man. Thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time on uh, such short notice. So I will begin this conversation with this. What is the better show? White Lotus or Mayor of Easttown? <laughs> uh, it's Mayor of Easttown, uh, Braden. Uh, at least you do still have good taste in television. Uh, that's, that's clear by that question. Uh, White Lotus, I do find very interesting, though, and it gets more and more interesting each week. Um, Armand, I think is the character's name, Murray Bartlett, is uh, one of my favorite characters on a TV show right now. But now that I've seen all of Mayor of Easttown, I haven't seen the conclusion of White Lotus, I've got to give the slight edge to Mayor of Easttown right now. Uh, I find myself laughing hysterically. My wife doesn't understand it. Um, all right, let's let's get into this a little bit here. Let's just begin with you explaining what issue you had with sort of my behavior as it pertains to the the tweets between Paul Kaharski and AJ Brown. What what is it? What's your concern and, and sort of your issue with what what I did this week? I firmly believe that anyone who is on a show where your job is to produce content, if part of that job that someone else produces content for that show that you discuss, that you mention that person by name and that there is no excuse company wise, producer wise, host wise to just intentionally omit someone's name because either you don't like them or someone tells you not to. I mean, I would ask the question, you know, if Adam Schefter or Peter King sent out a tweet about Josh Reynolds and A.J. Brown told them, you know, to to uh, I, I don't care about nobody asked for your effing opinion. Would you or anyone else not mention the name Peter King or Adam Schefter? I think the same right should be afforded uh, to any member of the media, especially if that member of the media, even if just being a bystander by sending out a tweet becomes part of the story and helps create a story for other shows. I, I agree with you on that. I found myself, and I would ask, I guess, how much of your analysis of this situation did you consider sort of my background in history? I, I have used Paul Karski's name on every show that I've ever done. I've got dozens of times and evidence of, of myself doing that. I've never been, quote unquote, scared to sort of say his name. Um, do you acknowledge that there is a gray area at all with stepping into someone else's show and letting them d decide sort of what the rules of, of engagement are in this particular situation? That Because I do have a body of work that suggests that I have no problem saying his name at any point during anything that I've ever done. Well, look, Brady, I mean, we've worked together in the past. I don't think you're some scaredy cat. You've said Paul's name. You've engaged in debates before. Uh, so I, I wouldn't think that about you. But I think it's a very scaredy cat move. Uh, to bend to the will of a company that you're working part-time for as a host, if anyone in that company tells you not to say someone's name, that person is wrong. If they told you that, that's certainly not some rule. You know, we here at OutKick and OutKick 360, we're not told not to mention someone's name. If anyone at 104.5 The Zone or anyone else, anywhere else, you know, got, uh, you know, mother effed by a Titan or a coach or something, we would mention that person's name without any problem. And I would say this also, Braden, you do have a body of work. You know, you were a drive time host in this city. You host this show with me. You have a podcast network. You're my age. You're almost 40 years old. Um, you should not be listening to someone. Sorry to point that out <laughs> for both of us, but it's true. We're almost 40. You shouldn't be bending to the will of anyone telling you not to mention someone's name. What you do is you politely nod when that request is made, and then you come back and say, so Paul Kuharski tweeted this out and A.J. Brown said this. I'm not asking for someone to come on and praise Paul 
or make some big, you know, show about Paul Kuharski does a great job in this and that. But the bare basics of media and stating a story is you say the name of the person involved. And regardless, we can talk about, you know, how big of a part of the story Paul is, whatever. Paul's a part of the story. Paul's history is a part of the story. A.J. Brown tweeting that became the story, but it's definitely a part of the story. I, I think if you decide to make it part of the story, that's true. Now, I said this too, directly to Paul as, as he and I talked after after the show on Tuesday, and I said, Paul, I don't, I don't think A.J. Brown or you are part of the story, and I didn't want to talk about that in general, just personally. And he, he agreed with me on that. And so, again, are you – I guess I would follow up. Are you allowed on your show – if you believe that medical science says that a sport should not be played, are you allowed to say that on your show? Am I allowed to say that I, I don't want a sport to be played? Yes. Uh, I, first off, I don't believe that. So again, no, no, I'm, I, not I'm saying if you, if there was a situation that were to arise where you felt a certain way, would you be, you've told us on this show that you are not allowed to say that working it out kick. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, am I allowed to say it? Would I be fired for saying it? No. But again, I've never been told to do anything that journalistically or professionally that I wouldn't do. Sports should be played. I 100% believe that. And there's not medical data backing up that they shouldn't be played. So I have no issue stating that. I'll ask you this question. If Emily Proud tweeted that and then A.J. Brown said that, would you go on and say the TV reporter? Or was it because Paul worked at the station you're working part time for that you didn't do it? It, I, I'll be very honest with you. Uh, it had nothing. It has nothing to do with me. And and I walked in there and I said, I didn't even know what had happened. Uh, and I walked in and I looked at the room and I just said, you know, Ramon said, Hey, here's. Do you guys see this? It's. I got a screenshot. It's been deleted. And I said, uh, All right. Well, here's here's what I think the story is, which is how do we want our content? Like, why why do people give a shit about a a wide receiver and a reporter? It's just, it's a totally innocuous tweet and I don't care for receiver tweets. And I said, how do you guys want to handle it? It's your show. I'm filling in for someone else. And out of respect, I just thought, Hey, I'll give you, you guys decide how you guys want to handle this. It wasn't management. It wasn't a conversation with anybody that's a boss or has any control over my role. I just said, it's your show. How do you want to handle this? They made their decision and I went along with it out of respect and that's it. It's not any more. Their decision though, was just not to say Paul's name. I mean, everyone knows who it was. So, I, I mean, to your question about Emily, I, I doubt they would have, you know, stopped me from saying Emily's name, to your question. Well, here, I guess here's what I'm saying. This is what dis- – I feel like a, a, a dad that's disappointed now, Braden. <laughs> um, this is what disappoints me about it. If you were on any of your 440 sports platforms, you just would have said Paul's name. You wouldn't have made a big to-do about it. You would have positioned it in a, in a smart opinion about, okay, we shouldn't care about these things, but Paul Kaharski tweeted this. And A.J. Brown did that. I do take exception with any company, especially if you're going to make a point to talk about how things are great, you know, when, when one side leaves and goes somewhere else. I, I have an issue with editorial decisions made to not mention someone's name and then talk about it. So I would have preferred one of two things would happen. One, you just would have said it anyways, because you would. Have, and, I, and look, I know you would have on your shows. I, I 100 percent know you would have. Yeah, We're just not talked about it. Because if I'm filling, you're helping a station out. You are a fill-in host. You are helping them out when someone is out. So you could easily make the decision. You know, if you guys don't want to talk about it, we just won't talk about it. We're not going to go on there and and make a mockery and say the reporter over and over about, you know, someone that I I consider a friend 
uh, and a co-host. I, I just is it is it a federal issue? No. Is it some huge journalistic crime? No. But I think deep down you know that if you were doing your own thing, you would have said his name. So by that very admission, you're admitting that they're wrong in doing that. Uh, but I but here's the thing though, I'm okay with that. Like I don't have a problem. Because again, I don't think the story, like again, if Paul had broken a, a story, anybody, if anybody had broken a story, again, this goes back to sort of like you said, I've said it on a direct competitor's airwaves on my in my former job. If it had been breaking news, I would have said, no, we have to say the name. Like we have to say who reported this because that's the ethical thing to do. I didn't think that, again, I just don't think Paul or AJ are part of the story, in my opinion. That's just my personal opinion. My my view of it all was, I think I am. I want to know what Titans fans care about. What kind of coverage do they want? And frankly, I defended Paul or, or all reporters writ large, which is what I wanted to talk about that morning. I wanted to defend reporters' abilities to have their own opinions based on what they see at camp, and I also want to defend a player's ability to tweet whatever the hell they want, f word or otherwise. And that to me was the story that fans can't sometimes handle objective, critical criticism of their team which I know is a big thing for Paul, which I agree with him on, and also allow for athletes to have a voice and a platform as well. That's what I thought the story was. And while I'm being a fill-in, they sort of asked respectfully, let's do this. I just I, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal, you know? And that's well, all. I think it's a bullshit move uh, by whoever made that call. I'll be completely honest about it. It's not something we would do here. Um, I'm, I'm happy to mention the name of anyone that gets into any type of Twitter dust-up with whoever it is, if we make the editorial content decision to talk about it. Um, uh, so I think it's the wrong play. Um, and I'll also say this, I hope moving forward that if you go on a show with the Tennessean or anywhere else and some boss or some producer, that's not even really your boss comes to you and Steve Cavendish gets into a Twitter argument with Phil Valentine and it becomes a big story. And they say, you know what, Steve Cavendish worked here. You can't say his name. Um, I hope you tell them to screw off and say his name anyways, moving forward. I, I really hope that's the solution with this and that we all can agree on that because regardless, I know where you're coming from. I know it's a difficult spot, but you have to nod your head and say, you know what? I've done this for years. I've had a career doing this. I can say his name or just tell them I'll handle it properly. You can mention who sent the tweet out without promoting the person if you're not in the business of promoting the person. I understand that. I'm as competitive as anyone. But moving forward, I hope if you're put in the same position, Braden, that you would say the name. Okay. I, listen, I, I figured that the logical conclusion of this conversation was going to be that I sort of agree with you and that you sort of see where I'm coming from and that we maybe just disagree on the, the gray area here, which is how I feel about this whole thing. There, I have no ill will towards anybody. It, it's just, it, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I wanted to give you a chance to to speak your mind and, and have a direct conversation with me. And, and that's really all I wanted to accomplish here. <laughs> so so uh, I, I think we're all going to survive and I think we're all going to be just fine. That's fair enough. I, I, I agree with you. We'll, we'll agree on that final point. I think white Lotus is way better than mayor of Easttown. How about that? Um, that is, once again, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong again, Braden on that because mayor of Easttown was terrific and it had a great ending. I, look, I reserve if white Lotus ends perfectly because I thought mayor of Easttown was a pretty perfect ending then maybe I'll change my opinion. 
I do think it's going to win every single award known to man. So I don't know what we accomplished, Chad, but it's good to see your face. Thank you for giving me some time, being a good sport about it, of course. And um, I, I suppose, you know, if you have to mention my name a few times on your show, I suppose I'm good for ratings. So there you let go. Me, let me say this, too. And um, look, <laughs> I, you know, whoever's making a decision to not say our names, you're only upping our street cred. Uh, so we appreciate that, that we're so far in someone's head that they're telling you not to mention a name. Uh, I do kind of love that also. But I think we can all agree on this. Moving forward, if we're providing content for another show, let's just say the name, whether you hate it or not. Brayden, I welcome you to go on one of your podcasts and make fun of some bad you know, thing that I've done <laughs> or said on air. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm, it's all completely above board. Just say the name of whoever it is you're talking about, and we can all live happily ever after. How about that? All right, there you go, Steve. I have no clue, no idea what Chad and I accomplished in that conversation. <laughs> um, we sort of agree and disagree, which I think is totally fine. And uh, again, I don't, I don't know what we accomplished, Steve. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I listened to the whole thing. I don't know what you accomplished either, but I'm glad you guys hashed it out. So, so where, g give me your thoughts. Where do you fall on my decision? I am okay with Chad disagreeing with me. I am okay with them saying whatever the hell they want to say about me on their show. It, it, just like he's okay with me saying whatever I want to say about him on my show. Like it, because because again, if I was asked if I if I did if I had it over to do again, what I might do is say his name the first time and, and then move on from him because again, I don't think he's the story. That's it's no, I, I don't think know. he is either. I, I, I do, and I and I think you're. I, I think you're right. You know, reporters should have the ability to, uh, you know, see what they see and transmit that. At practice, and if and if he thought that uh, if he thought somebody didn't look explosive, then that's his opinion. And by the way, he's been covering the team for twenty years. He probably has a good he probably has a good idea of what's explosive and what's not. You know, I, when you go on somebody's show, you kind of follow the rules of the road. You 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 if you're, I think there's a there's a certain amount of professionalism involved in in abiding by what somebody's ground rules are, and. You know, if if somebody doesn't want to mention somebody else, then that's their show. I, I don't have a problem with yeah. it. Yeah, Chad, Chad called it bending to their will. I call it just sort of being respectful and professional. But again, it, we can disagree on this, and it's okay. Yeah, we we can absolutely um, we can absolutely move on from 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 this really huge controversy, <laughs> massive controversy, <laughs> massive. Oh. And of course, the irony of all ironies is that I largely was defending Paul Kaharski on, on Tuesday morning. Mean. Only Paul Kaharski can be furious with you when you are defending him. Uh, only PK can do that. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our real topic today on the show. And, and that is Caroline Fenton. She is new to the market. She is 24 years old. She is and company with Jared and Jared Stillman and company on 1025 The Games in the, in the afternoon. She has uh, a unique skill set, a unique background. Uh, and I think she's got a lot of interesting things to say and I think has a chance to be a um, really big piece of the Nashville media market for as long as she wants to be here. Uh, very talented young journalist, reporter, host, whatever you'd like to call her, kind of all those things. So here was our conversation with Caroline Fenton of Jared Stillman and company. Caroline, first of all, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Great to have you on the program. How are you today? Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm great. My parents actually came into town on a very spontaneous last minute trip. So they just headed out today. So it was nice to see them spend a few days with them. Where were the parents coming in from? 
from St. Louis. I'm born and raised in St. Louis and they still live there. All right. Well, that's that's a great place to start. You've had sort of an interesting career getting to Nashville in, in mm-hmm. media. You're up in Bristol at ESPN doing some work. So like sort of give everybody some background and some backstory on, you know, where you started, how you ended up in Bristol, and then we'll get to sort of your transition back down here to Nashville. Yeah, yeah. So I've been kind of anywhere and everywhere at this point in my very, very early career. Um, Like I mentioned, I'm originally from St. Louis, born and raised in St. Louis. And I am the second of two daughters. And my dad is an absolute sports junkie. My sister couldn't care less about sports from a a very young age. It was all right. Like, you know, your sister's hanging out with mom and you're coming with me to games. So I fell in love with sports from a very, very young age. And that's what I knew I wanted to do going into college. So I knew I wanted to go to a big sports school and I wanted to study sports journalism. Um, Both my parents actually grew up in Tennessee. They both went to the University of Tennessee. They met at the University of Tennessee. My dad played football for the University of Tennessee. So I thought that I was going to grow up and be a ball just like them. Um, But I spontaneously decided to visit LSU. Um, because really, essentially, I just wanted to go visit New Orleans and thought, sure, why not? I may as well just check out the campus. But I really just wanted to get some. Made a four-year detour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I thought, okay, no, I really, really do love this place. I absolutely fell head over heels in love with LSU. I love the journalism program. It's obviously a huge sports school. So I decided to spend my four years at LSU, um, studied sports journalism, and went the sports MMJ route. Um, I was able to intern and work for several news stations in Baton Rouge and get a lot of really great experience there. And that's the road that I thought I was going to go down. Sports MMJ, be a reporter, work for a news station, work my way up through through the business that way, which is a wonderful way of getting through the business. Um, but I got the wonderful opportunity of um, an internship at ESPN after I graduated with the digital live streams team. So I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to go to the mothership. I'm only 21 years old. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna make my connections. I'm gonna go to ESPN. So I went there still with the dreams of wanting to be on air, but I worked for the digital live streams team um, as an intern in the summer of 2019. Absolutely fell in love with it. I met incredible people, great mentors, friends, and loved what I was doing. Um, so at the end of my internship, they offered me a full-time role in the digital live streams team. And I wasn't quite yet done with my time in Bristol. I loved what I was doing. I loved creating content. I got to travel across the country, creating content and producing shows for ESPN's social media, their digital platforms. So I did that for a few years. And then I just got to a point where I was kind of getting that itch of getting to to go back on air. Um, and I didn't really want to go that sports MMJ route anymore. I didn't necessarily want to do what I originally came into this business wanting to do. I thought, it, I just don't think it's fair that I only get a three to five minute sports cast and that's all I get to do. Um, so that's kind of what I kind of looked into radio. I thought I really love the personalities, everyone that I met at ESPN in Bristol who worked in radio, everyone that I met in Baton Rouge when I worked in the Baton Rouge market. I loved the radio people. I loved the personality and I loved having the opportunity to go beyond just a three to five minute sports cast of this is what's happening in the world of sports today. I wanted to talk about sports and I wanted to break things down a little on a, on a bigger level. Um, so that's when I landed in Nashville. I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing with Ryan Porth and 1025 The Game. And it just kind of was the perfect fit. I was looking to start my career on air and they were looking for somebody with a little bit of a digital background. So we just kind of were a perfect match. And I just I got to be closer to home and kind of get back to my parents' roots. So kind of just took a, a full 360 back to Nashville. We'll get to sort of like how that process came about a little bit more yeah. in just a second. But I want to, you know, the when you're producing the digital shows, like 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a, a different product for a different audience than what you do on Sports Center or even what you do in your current role on radio. Very much or so. Definitely, you know, but it is there is some similarities to what you do, sort of in that television broadcast on a local news network. So, what did you learn about putting together a social media product when you're doing live stream shows during the draft or during the college football playoff rankings or you know whatever it may be? What is it that you learned through that process that? that changes the way that content is delivered? It's all about balance. And I think that the most important thing whenever you're producing something for social media, you have to be authentic. Because I think so many times there may be sports media, businesses, industries who try and push it too far. Like, okay, we're producing a show for Twitter so we can be really funny and goofy and we try and incorporate all of the the cool, funny slang. And that's important to do because that is your audience, but you have to be authentic in doing it because you don't want to come off as like the hello fellow kids kind of person <laughs> who's trying to be cool and trying to relate to these young people. So I think being authentic is so important. And, and you mentioned, um, you know, it's different than sports center. It's kind of different than radio, but you, you have to find that balance because at the end of the day, you're still a news broadcast. You're still informing people about what's going on, but you're not buttoned up. You're not in front of a desk. You're not delivering the news. You can deliver the news, but you can do it in a different way. So, for example, I worked on the college football show, which is a show that airs every Saturday night on ESPN's Twitter, YouTube, and the ESPN app. And we did a segment called, and it was right around Halloween time um, in college football season, we did a segment called College Football Frankenstein. And we broke down the best pieces of of a college football quarterback. So we were saying, okay, Trevor Lawrence's arm, Sam Ellinger's love for the game, DJ Uwilangale's legs, like little pieces from different players and why we would choose those pieces. So we were able to present it in a fun and visually appealing way, but our viewers are still getting smarter. So that's not something that they would do on SportsCenter, but it's something that fit with our viewers because it was quick and it was visually appealing. It was fast, there were sounds, and you're still talking about football. You're still delivering quality content. You're still making people smarter at the end of the day. So it really is all about a really good balance understanding your audience and making sure that you're translating your message in a way that's easy to understand and that is going to catch people's eye because it's so easy to just swipe out of something on Twitter. And when you're dealing with an audience whose attention span is about two seconds, um, you got to make sure it's, it's always fast, ever moving, but you're still making people smarter at the end of the day. The radio attention span may not be much longer than that. Uh, <laughs> What what attracted what what attracted you to to radio specifically? You, you mentioned wanting uh, wanting to talk. Are the things that you wanted to talk about, or or did you was this a matter of kind of personality? Like, I just want to be able to to do to express more of something. Yeah, I think at the very heart of it, it was just being able to have more authentic conversation. <laughs> You're not just talking at someone, you're having a conversation, you're being able to, you're able to engage with your fans, you're able to engage with the viewers. And I think that's one aspect of TV that I was missing, that I really wanted was the ability to interact and the ability to have those conversations, to break things down. It's not just, this is what I saw in training camp today, even though that's important and that's how people are supposed to get their news. I wanted to be able to be a person that could break things down a little bit further. And that's what I love so much about radio. And I think also what attracted me to radio is when I first came into sports, I knew that females in sports, it wasn't 
it wasn't necessarily taboo, but there weren't a ton of women in sports. And that's especially in sports talk radio. There just weren't a ton of women. And it, I had a passion for it. I loved it. So I saw something that I loved. I had a passion for it. I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to engage with sports fans. And I also saw a need for women in the sports talk radio industry. And I thought if I can be that person, if I can show another woman out there who wants to do sports talk radio, who thinks she can do it and she sees me and, and goes after it, then I did my job. I think it's interesting. You mentioned the term authenticity because I think you're exactly mm -hmm. right about that. So, and I think that translates in, in radio as well. You, you have to have an, kind of a, an authentic voice. My question is, and this is, this is going to sound really harsh. And I don't mean it that way at all. So I'm going to preface, I'm going to disclaim myself here. Uh, okay. But as a relatively young voice coming on to, coming on to a show, much of Nashville listeners believe you and kind of give you that, that benefit of the doubt or, or, yeah. or, or that, you know, why should they trust you coming on at a relatively, I mean, you're 24 years old, 23 years 24. old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you bringing here that they're not getting from someplace else? Very fair question. Um, I think first and foremost, I came into this role, not wanting to be miss know-it-all, not coming into Nashville and acting like I've been in Nashville my whole life, acting like I've known the Titans and the Predators my whole life because I haven't. I mean, I, I watched minimal Predators hockey before I got this job. So I think I came into it explaining that not only to Ryan, not only to Jared, but also to, to viewers and saying, hey, look, I don't I don't know everything. And I say that on the show all the time. I wasn't here last year during, during Titans training camp. So it may have been different. I'm evaluating the defense in Titans training camp saying I go in every day thinking the defense won. But I say I was in a Titans training camp last year. So that could have been the case as well. And we were just bamboozled by the Titans defense and training camp and they're awful in the regular season. So I, I always try and preface my opinions, my takes with an understanding that I have not been here very long and I don't know everything, but I'm learning. So I think that I want people to listen to our broadcast because I'm coming into it with a completely fresh perspective and I have no ulterior motives. I have no other understanding of Tennessee sports. And I, I, I'm not at my heart. I mean, I'm not a Titans fan. I'm not a Preds fan. So I try and deliver the most unbiased opinions that I possibly can. And I think just being a, a fresh perspective and a fresh voice in this market. Um, and that's exactly what I want to be for people. I want them to be able to come to Stillman and Company, to come to my social media, to be able to listen to me and know that they're getting completely unbiased opinions. And also I do try and use my age as my, to my advantage because someone could turn on the radio and say that, what does this girl know what she is talking about? She is 24 years old, only a few years removed from college. I totally understand why that may turn people away, but I also like to use that as a fresh perspective as well is that I'm a younger person and I can provide a different perspective than maybe other people on the air can't just because I come from a different generation and I come from a different place. Yeah, the, the phrase, I don't know, I learned that early as a broadcaster, and it's got incredible power just to just say like, hey, I don't know, like it's like, it's, it's okay it's, to it's say okay. that, <laughs> right? It's okay. it's okay to not know everything. Lamestream is brought to you by Jasper's. Wow, was that like, was that a taunting? Cheers, yeah, Jasper. Uh, it was kind of like a foghorn thing. Kind of like a foghorn thing. Okay, my voice right. is not deep enough though. Well, you know, you just never know how Steve's going to scream Jasper's into your earbuds. Um, I you mean, just, you just never tune know in every week, folks. <laughs> it's a it's a surprise in every episode. 
Um, all right. So what have we not said about Jasper, Steve, that we need to tell people to convince them to go to this place? The parking is free. The happy hour is spectacular. The menu done by Deb Paquette is vastly superior to every single sports bar in the market, nay, the country. What else do we need to tell you about Jasper's to convince you to take your rear end into Jasper's to go eat their wonderful food during an awesome happy hour with free parking and a great bar to sit at? Folks, what do we have to do to drive the sports bar off the lot today? What do we have to do? <laughs> let 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 us know. Add us a, a add us on Twitter. You, you well, want what, what would it, what would it take for you? What would what is it going to take for you to go to Jasper's? Is there something that's holding you back? Is there something like, <laughs> that you've been that you've been waiting for that you need that you? What's that final push look like? Let us know. Maybe we can help you out. Look, if you is it is it six dollar barbecue pork sweet potatoes? Because they've already got that, Steve. They've already, they've already got it. They've already got that from four to six every day. You can get six dollar wings or barbecue sweet potato pork fries. Would a four dollar draft beer that's normally like eight or ten dollars would that do it for you? Because they got that too. Would it be would it be fried bits of cauliflower with very delicious sauces to drag them through? All the sauces. All the sauces. Do you need a sauce? Because they've got sauces. Is that what it's going to take? Because they've got that for you. It's waiting for you right now. Do you need a grab-and-go market to convince you to go to Jasper's? Because they got that. I just, I, I, I'm, of, I'm, running out, I'm running out of ways, people. Let he's, us know. He's, he's out of ways. To, <laughs> we are out of ways to tell you to go to Jasper's, <laughs> which is not a good thing for Jasper's to hear us say. <laughs> because we will continue to tell you to go to Jasper's. How did you guys, you, you mentioned, how, how did you guys all decide on the, the format of the show? How did that all come about? It was something that I think Jared and Ryan had a vision for going into the search for his new co-host was he very much so felt ownership over the show, of course, as he should. He was a solo host. The name, the show has his name in it. And he didn't want anyone to come in and shake things up completely. So that was kind of why we were a perfect match because I was brand new to the radio world and I wasn't going to come in and completely change the way he did his show. I wanted someone to be able to tailor my expertise, to be able to tailor my talent in this show. He was looking for someone to kind of bring up because he served in a similar role in Louisville. He was kind of someone's sidekick and that's how he grew into his role. That's exactly what I was looking for. I wasn't looking to come in and be my one every single day and completely take over the show. I was looking for somewhere to learn. Um, and I think we established that through the interview process um, was that it was going to be a slow building block. We would start, I would start with a small role. And as I became more ingrained with the city, as I met more people in Nashville, as I was able to watch more Titans games, more Preds games, be more ingrained with the city of Nashville and the state of Tennessee as a whole, then I could start to play a bigger and bigger role within the show. So that was something that we agreed on from a very, very early stages of interviewing was just making sure that they understood that I was okay playing that smaller role and eventually growing into a larger role. And that's exactly what I was looking for because I honestly was a little bit nervous about stepping into this role. So I think that having the understanding of I'm new and they're okay with that and they want to groom me and tailor me into whatever I can be, then it was the perfect landing spot. You know, you talked about your, your youth and age, you know, as using it as an advantage. And, and I, I think not being from here also affords you some advantages. Steve and mm -hmm. I have seen Nashville for 
a combined like 55, 60 years or whatever. So we have sort of, you know, we have a lens that we see things through and you come at it with a completely fresh perspective and lens. So mm -hmm. what have you seen and learned about Nashville that maybe you did not anticipate? What did, what have you learned about this market? It's a very strange sports market. I'll just tell you. Um, it's just a little odd, but what have you learned about the city and about the sports fans and the market itself now that you've been here a little while that maybe you didn't anticipate or that's different or that you've picked up on since you have fresh eyes? First and foremost, one thing that I learned very quickly was Nashville as a whole. It's a big city, but it really is a small town just disguised as a big city. Like everyone knows someone who knows someone who went to school with this person who dated this person, which I really love because you get the big city feel and the nice restaurants and the tourism and all of the perks that come with a big city, but it also feels like one really tight-knit community. I mean, I don't think I've met one unkind person since I've moved to Nashville and everyone is oh, kind we of can connected help you in, this, in this network. I mean, maybe I do need to be humbled a little bit. You know, coming from New England, I'm, I sometimes I see myself. I'm like, "Where's the road rage, people? Like, where's where's the hustle?" Where, where, where how about how about uh, press con? How about press uh, conferences? It's on, the, the the road rage <laughs> yes. is on is on I twenty four. Maybe yeah. I need to be humbled a little bit, but yeah, that was one thing that I picked up early on that made me fall in love with Nashville anymore. Something that I didn't really anticipate was just like this tight knit network of people, of professionals, of friends. Um, it really is just a small city at heart. Well, but you talk about that, and we've talked about this. Almost everybody in the market talks about this, how these players, we think, and I, I believe this, I'll just speak for myself here, that most players in this market have it pretty easy, that we are a pretty chill city. We're a pretty relaxed market. We're, we're not this sort of like Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, New York style mm -hmm. thing. But you, like you said, you you kind of lived in the middle of that. Have you picked up on that at all? That, that you know, like, again, I just remember Shea Weber going to Montreal from, from Nashville and going from having like, two people around him here to ask questions to like 45 people around him in Montreal because they love hockey so much. So uh, is there, is there anything that you've noticed about how we, tr how the media and the sports figures interact in this market? That's maybe different from where you've seen it in the past. Yeah. So I, I covered sports in Louisiana and when you're from Louisiana, that's all that, you know, when you are, when you grew up in Louisiana, you grow up in LSU and a Saints fan. If you are from Louisiana and you are a college football caliber player, you go to LSU and everyone grows up diehard LSU Saints fans loving Louisiana. And I, I think that's something that I kind of noticed with professional athletes that play in Nashville. It almost feels like they feel like they are, they feel like they're above being in the Nashville market. And that's something that I never understood. You mentioned Shea Weber and how Shea Weber always kind of felt unhappy in Nashville and Delaney Walker talked about how he doesn't think he'll be in the hall of fame because he played for the Titans and the Titans, you play for the Titans, you won't go into the hall of fame. So I noticed that, that they feel like Nashville is this teeny tiny little market and that it's a stepping stone into the, the New York's, the Philadelphia's, the whatever's of the world, the larger cities of the world. And I, I never really understood that. I think that there are some athletes that like that maybe, you know, like I think the media, is a pretty tight knit group. And I, I like that. I think that it's a very kind and welcoming group of people. Um, but I always, that, that is something that I picked up on was why does Matt Duchesne feel like he's above Nashville? Because it's not like he's performing at a level that is above Nashville. Um, so that's, that is something that I've wondered. Is it, it, what I, while I say, I love, I adore the big city with a small town feel. I think that some athletes in this market who have played in this market who play in this market now 
emphasize that small town feel and think that they're above it. That's interesting. <laughs> no, that's really good. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. Like I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Uh, yeah. One of, one of the, I, I'm, I'm interested in, and you know, this might be a, a little bit premature, but you had a taste of sort of, of fans here in Nashville, certainly Preds fans, but you're starting to see it with, with Titans fans more. How do you think fans want their coverage? Do you think Nashville is more of a Homer town? Do you think they want critical coverage? How, how what's your perception of, of Nashville fandom here at, you know, in, in your first, in the first few months on the, on the gig? See, that's interesting. And I'll compare it to the Predators in the playoffs. When we were covering the Predators entering the playoffs, they think that Jared and I were both a little bit skeptic about exactly how they could stack up against Carolina. I mean, the Predators really, I mean, we're not as talented of a team as Carolina. So we went into it with a little bit of a skeptic mind. I think Preds fans were really mad about it. And then the Predators lost the first two games of the playoffs. And then all of the, the our fans were texting and calling in like, you know, we got to sell everything at the deadline. This team is horrible. John Hines has got to go. And we were like, whoa. And then the Predators win two more games. And it's like, we're going to the Stanley Cup. So we were like, it was a, it was an absolute blast to cover that team and to be able to interact with all of the fans during that couple of weeks when the Predators were making their run this past year. But I, I, I think I see a little bit of both because I think that there are some fans that are homers that are like, what are you saying? You know, we, now that we have Julio Jones, it's the AFC is a lock and we're going to the Super Bowl. And then there are some fans who are a little bit more critical and appreciate looking at it through a lens of, okay, well, let's look at it from the business side of things. Let's be a little bit more realistic. Let's look at the other teams that the Titans have on their schedule this season. What can be easy wins if you really look at it from, um, from a lens of, a little bit deeper than just surface levels. I really kind of think both. And I think that fans also kind of go with whatever is going on with the sports team. So the Titans are absolutely tanking. Then I think they're like, yeah, stick it to them. But whenever they're performing well, I think they, they love the praise. You're not doing a terrestrial radio show. You were doing a Twitter show. Mm -hmm. The audience reaction, is it similar? Is it, uh, is it different? kind of how they're in because Twitter is very interactive. I mean, they, people yes. can, people can come right to your doorstep. Uh, and there's some of that available to you in talk radio. And how do you, how do you kind of compare these here? Yeah. I think that on Twitter and on social media, we, we stream on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. I think I've seen the fan reaction as more of questions. So reacting in live time to exactly what we're saying um, so we may, I may say something, we may have a story, we may have a take and fans are instantly able to react to it. And it's more of questions like, okay, I see what you're saying, but this, or what about this? Um, for example, yesterday we were talking about Peyton Manning, about how, um, Jared thinks that the only thing that will get Tennessee football out of this hump is to find that next Peyton Manning is to get that next big star quarterback. And so somebody texted into our text line or commented on Twitter, whatever it was, a, a, an instant kind of reaction platform and said, okay, well, who do you think the best college quarterback of all time would be? So I think it's more of an instant reaction and just curious and question reaction on Twitter. Um, and I'll compare that to my experience at ESPN. We're able to engage with our viewers on a much more personal, intimate level than we are in the national media. 
Um, and that's what I loved so much about the local market is that you are able to connect with them. You're able, you know, you, you may see them around. Um, so you're able to actually engage with your viewers on a much more personal level. So I, I do appreciate that about the local market and also streaming on socials. You're able to connect with them so much easier. I think the calls are a little bit more delayed because you're not responding in actual time. But the callers, callers get spicy. I mean, I would say, I mean, you people say that they're keyboard warriors. They hide behind Twitter. Callers can be just as spicy as well. So um, I think that you, you kind of get a, a good balance of reaction and also questioning and, and curiosity. Yeah, it's the, the thing I noticed when I transitioned into local media is just being able to physically meet the person who's listening. Like that's a mm -hmm. that's a different thing than when you sort of exist in this in this other national realm over here. And so it it was very I, I really enjoyed that part of it when I made that transition in my career. And I, I've just I've loved that part of it ever since I've, I've been doing local stuff. And so um, what is it like working with Jared Stoneman every day? Jared he, is, he doesn't listen. You can be honest. But I, I mean, I will say this from the bottom of my heart, 100% authentic. Jared is such a wonderful person to work with. Um, I remember when I was interviewing for this position, I was talking with Fitz a lot about it. He was someone who I looked up to very much. So at ESPN, I still do look up to him very much. And he texted me and said, you think that you can handle Jared? And I was like, <laughs> Fitz, I was like, I don't know if there's much that I can't handle. Um, so... He talking, is talking about Jason Fitz, by the way. So. Yes, Jason yeah. Fitz, who ESPN Radio. Um, he is so wonderful to work with, and I value him so much because I am so new in this industry, and he is so well established and well respected in this industry. So, having him there to bounce ideas off of, to be there for constructive criticism, and also think like saying, "I liked what you did today. This is what I didn't like." He provides such wonderful feedback, and he's grown into you know, a colleague and a friend. And I, I absolutely adore working with Jared. Have you gotten the chance to say, okay, Jared, just calm down yet. You had a chance to say that. I think it was day two, <laughs> day two on the job. Day one, I was holding back a little bit, but by day two, I was like, Jared Stillman, what are you saying? What do you mean? So what, let's reel we, it in a little bit here. You, you talked and that, that is absolutely what he needs in his life. Um, and I, and I love the man, but you talked about the evolution of your career and where you want it mm -hmm. to go. What what does this product sound like in three years, in five years? Ideally, um, I would love to grow with the show. Um, I think that what we have right now, I think we have a wonderful, almost like debate style um, show. And I would want it to grow into even more of that whenever I'm more established, not only in the industry, but in the city as well, being able to really challenge each other, really make it a debate style show because I went into this industry saying, okay, if I can make someone smarter today, then I did my job. And that's what I want. That's how I would love to grow the show, would love to grow in my career is challenging ideas, challenging takes, challenging opinions, and just making people smarter. And that's what I would love to make Stillman and Company. I know what the priorities are for a local radio station in Nashville. It's Titans, NFL, and certainly at 102.5, the Predators are, are huge. Mm -hmm. um, but your personal fandom, where do you prioritize? Like, obviously, I'm assuming the LSU Tigers are at the top. Of course. Uh, but but how would you prioritize sort of the things that you love in sports? Like, get, let's get to know Caroline, the sports fan here a little bit. I am a college football fan through and through college football junkie. That is my number one sport I love to cover, love to talk about, love to watch, just 
anything and everything college football. I absolutely adore. Um, and I do love the NFL as well. I grew up in St. Louis when the Rams were there. So, of course, yeah, RIP to that. But um, grew up an NFL fan as well. So I would say college football and the NFL are, are up there very much so for me. And also growing up in St. Louis, I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. So I love the MLB um, and the NHL, of course. I would say college football in the NFL very much so at the top for me and MLB and NHL as well. I just, you know, NBA, I covered a ton of it at ESPN and I, I learned to appreciate it, but it just, it was never really the, um, a passion for me, but I did grow to love it while covering it at, at ESPN. Can you explain why Cardinals fans think they're God's gift to baseball? Ooh, fans? Ooh. Are we not? <laughs> Excellent response. I, I kind of thought that we that we were. I think she can handle Stillman just fine, Steve. <laughs> just fine. Here, just to make everybody feel really, really bad about themselves. Also, um, you would have been what two years old for the for the for the uh, Super Bowl. The Rams I, was Titans? I was three. Three. Okay. The the greatest show on turf was two or three years old. Um, so I grew up going to Rams game. We had season tickets. So I don't remember the greatest show on turf, but I do remember Jeff Fisher and the Rams absolutely tanking. So you remember that is, I remember, yeah, really see, the, see that's what you have. That's what you have in Rams. common with, that's what you have in common with Titans fans is uh, a lot of eight and eight. Eight and eight. <laughs> August, August 8th, Jeff August Fisher 8th, day. Yep, yep. Um, were you there in the market when they left to go to Los Angeles? I, what was that so, like if you were like, or for your parents for that matter? Yeah. Yeah. So they left, I went at 2014, 15. So that I was a senior in high school then. So that's when I was kind of doing my college search, ready to leave St. Louis. So it was, I was there when all of the discussions were going on about the Rams possibly leaving. And it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, Rams fans were livid. Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, you just never really connected with the city and St. Louis natives people who live in st louis love st louis through and through they love their cardinals they uh, budweiser everything st louis <laughs> fans are through and through st louis so i think that it was st louis fans felt very betrayed by someone who never connected with the city who never had any interest in the city in the first place to take something that we felt was so ingrained in the culture of the city and move it just for his own financial gain so it was drama 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 but the rams left and i left so i adopted the saints as, as my new team <laughs> as, as one does in louisiana yeah exactly it's kind yeah. of hard to not yeah. I, I got and then that. i just got heartbroken over and over with the nfc championships and minnesota miracles just got my heart broken all over again i, I don't mean to ask just shitty questions about the city of st louis <laughs> but st louis ask pizza, away. St. Louis pizza I, I should ask, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you're not a fan. Maybe you are a fan. I oh my it. God. I know it's so I think St. Louis pizza is very similar to the perception of St. Louis Cardinals fans. It's, if you're in St. Louis, <laughs> Way it's to bring it everything home. and you're obsessed with it. And then when you're out of St. Louis, you're like, what's mm. the big deal? Like it's, it's a cracker with Provel cheese on it. I love St. Louis style pizza. I will say that. For, I will say, the, fortunately, for, you cannot get any of that here in Nashville. So, you know, maybe get, get, the, Caroline, get the parents all to bring listen, some in. I, all, all, pizza, all pizza matters, okay? I, I, like, I like all pizza. This is, this is <laughs> Even bad true. pizza is, like, still kind of good. It has Provel uh, on. Our, 
barbecues in St. Louis is pretty damn good too. So let's great let's just... barbecue, great Italian food in St. Louis. Steve, just just calm down, all right, man. I just I just, I just have a thing about that pizza. Anyway, Caroline, thank you. A so lot much. of people do. Caroline, thank you so much for hanging out with us. As someone who has spent many many hours on the air with Jared Stillman, Godspeed, and thank we wish you. you the best. Thank you for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. That was Caroline Fenton of 1025 The Game. Appreciate her time. And I I don't know about you, Steve, but I was not that well spoken at 24 years old. Uh no. I was not either. Or uh, thought or that or that thoughtful, frankly. Yeah, I you know, I, I think she's got a lot of talent. I've I've caught I've caught the show a couple of times and enjoyed the enjoyed her work. I think it's gonna be interesting to come back in two years and see kind of what her progressions are and, and, and where she, you know, where she decides to go and 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 what she decides to do because uh, you know, I, I think she's got a, she's got a really bright future. It is an interesting uh, show format. It is unlike any other show format in the market. And first of all, I, I like her fresh eyes and perspective, um, not only youthful, but but fresh on the Nashville market. And some interesting thoughts on Matt Duchesne, for example. <laughs> well, and, and, and I like, you know, I, I like the direction that that went after Floyd retired. I mean, I, I, I think it I, I think it's good that they took the show a different direction. Because yes, you, yes, the total one eighty from, yeah. from from Floyd Reese. <laughs> this this is not this is not this is not a not a straight up replacement for Floyd Reese. Yes, and and we love Floyd. He's he's the best. Um, but of course, Jared Stillman and company every afternoon, uh, two to six on one hundred two five the game. So you can check that out. She does great work, and we appreciate her time for joining us. Time for recommendations, Steve. What you got for the great people out there? So um, my recommendation is is a little different. My recommendation is a piece of video that I think you should watch that already uh, about four or five million people have watched. So you may have, if you've been on Twitter the last couple of couple of days, you've probably seen it. Matt Masters uh, is a photographer who does some work for, he was working for the uh, Williamson homepage and was at the, was at the county school board meeting the other night and caught just a, an insane scene outside of the conclusion of the of the Williamson County School Board when they decided to put a mask mandate in uh, for students. I feel for school board members in any situation, kind of no matter what their political stripe is, because they're looking at a way they're looking at this, thinking, all right, how do we keep schools open? How do we keep kids safe? How do we keep you know infections from being rampant, particularly as this Delta variant has shown itself to be much. Uh, much more contagious than the previous COVID um, strain. And so Matt was there to document the, the meeting and it was a really heated meeting and they end up putting this mask mandate in and he's standing outside and as just there, people are chasing healthcare professionals and, and school board members out of the, you know, out of the uh, building, mm. you know, getting up and, and pointing in their faces and saying, you know, we know where you live kind of thing. And it's just pretty, it's pretty just, sad. It's a horrifying piece of video. And it the, the thing that I hope people look at that and see is that we can't exist that way. Like we we have to pull back from that level of vitriol and that level of that level of just uh, rage over something that people are you know a, a people piece are of, a piece of cloth. Yeah. A piece of cloth. And and, and that the legitimately concerned people are trying to are trying their best to kind of do you know, they have these, they're having these discussions, school boards all over the country and, and everybody's, everybody's picked up this video. John Oliver just picked it up. It'll, uh, I think they're going to show it on, on, on his HBO show this weekend. It's just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane that, that these kind of anti-mask folks are, 
are, are going to this degree. So uh, Matt Masters, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he doesn't tweet very much. Matter of fact, this was his t- first tweet in like four or five years, but it's uh, he's at form VS content, form versus content. Check it out. It's a, it's a hell of a piece of video. And, and if you'd like to sort of, and I guess this is my recommendation, I'm also going to have a comment about a, a, an HBO show in a second, but Brinley Heinemann, is that how, how you say her name, I believe, yeah. for uh, the Tennessean. She's got it pinned on her Twitter profile, at Brinley Heinemann. That's B-R-I-N-L-E-Y-H-I-N-E-M-A-N. I recommend reading the thread. Uh, she was there at the event, and uh, that's what you want to call it. <laughs> circus, and, uh, I think. Circus is maybe better. And she has probably, what, like a 50-tweet thread? Um, if you want to sort of read through the the real-time emotions of what took place in this very, very sad and dumb and sobering um, fight that took place, I guess, at, at Williamson County. So um, uh, the other thing I was going to, this is like an anti-recommendation. I, I've always been all in on hard knocks, Steve. Always. Uh-huh. Even when it's dumb and boring and repetitive and it's been over and over and over again, I'm still all in on it because I still love football and I still love camp. But watching Jerry Jones, Jera, salt up his sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, asking his head coach to push his surgically repaired quarterback further in practice than the doctors want him to go. I, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with hard knocks. Once I, once I hit that scene, I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't know about this show anymore. <laughs> I, I haven't like, watched it yet. I, I've, got it, I've got it saved on the app. Steve, it, he sits down at his desk unwraps a giant sausage egg and cheese biscuit which looked delicious by the way but probably has 1500 calories opened it up and poured salt on it oh well, my my problem with doing the cowboys again is i don't want to see the cowboys again i've been tired of jerry jones for a long time but i've been tired of i forget how many times the cowboys have been on now this is at least their third time probably I just I I want to see anybody else. I mean, like I enjoy like my favorite my favorite year was a few years ago when they did Cincinnati because I didn't know any of those players, I didn't know any of the storylines. It was like really fun to kind of walk into a franchise that I just don't care that much about. I mean, part of it is I guess is since I hate the Cowboys, I don't want to see them on there. I would have loved there's 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 a lot more interesting storylines kind of around the league. I, I would have loved to have seen almost any of them rather than having to put up with you know six weeks of. Six weeks of Dak, six weeks of Zeke, six weeks of you know whatever <laughs> else, because that because those guys already get an outsized yeah. amount of attention yeah. within kind of the sports shouting complex, which is firing up now for the NFL season. Yeah. I just don't want to hear them. So so here's what here's what I'm doing. I'm doing a recommendation and an anti recommendation all at one time. Watch the first episode until you get to the scene with with Jera and watch the Jera <laughs> scene where he's asking his head football coach against the advice of his own medical doctors to push Dak Prescott harder in practice so that you can fully understand exactly why the Cowboys have been irrelevant for the last 25 years. Do that. That's my recommendation. Then after that, don't watch it ever again. That's, <laughs> that's, that's also my recommendation. I think, this, I think this is the kind of thing that will ultimately kind of kill hard knocks off. I'd love to know what these numbers are going to be. They're going to be a little higher because they're the Cowboys, because the Cowboys have such a huge fan base. I think the, the, marginal, the marginal fans at some point there's there's diminishing returns to kind of keep going back to this to this Cowboys well. Last last thing here on the show, and that is the IndyCar race pulled a 5.6, or excuse me, a 5.9 rating locally in Nashville. That's according to Mark Binda, News Channel it's like, 5. It's like third round Masters territory. I mean, it's, it's almost exactly what the third round of Masters did, which is the third highest rated show. I went back and checked that week. 
It was the third highest rated sports television show that week of the year. The, the final round of the Masters was above it, had about an eight. And then the national championship game the previous Monday had pulled like a 17, Baylor and Gonzaga. But it was also, I believe, the highest cable television rating nationally for an IndyCar race in over 20 years. Oh, wow. The, the visuals, and, and this is what we had talked about before, the visuals are really, really compelling off that course. Now, is that a great course? You know, there were there were a billion cautions because yeah, drivers were getting yeah. used to it. I mean, I think part of that was nobody had enough practice time. Nobody had spent time, knew how to drive the course, and so there were there were a bunch of crashes, including <laughs> including the winner. Th- that bridge is such a great idea. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for uh, on the course, the scenes, particularly when they would when they would run those helicopter shots along the bridge oh, and yeah, with yeah. the cars and just, I mean, they're just, they're spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. It's also how we could tell when the cars were coming back. <laughs> we could, we saw the chopper coming <laughs> <laughs> and we knew in, back at the end of the course that the cars are coming back. This was according to NBC sports. Uh, the music city grand prix in Nashville delivers the most watched cable race in NBC sports history. The debut race in Nashville averaged about 1.2 million viewers on NBCSN. It was the most watched IndyCar cable race in 23 years. So wow. Have it. Way to go. Even though the race didn't was very bizarre and the guy who like landed on top of another guy actually came, went on to win it and the best car didn't. And there was lots of cautions and like, I don't know, a pedal tavern tipped over and spilled vodka onto the track one time. Uh, it was still people were still watching, man. And so uh, I think they'll be back again, Steve. I think they will. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you if you saw this if you, since you were down there. Kudos to the guys making the big machine vodka plugs in the middle of the telecast. That when when there was something on the track, they're like, "Oh, is that big machine vodka that's on the that's on the course?" I was like, "Wow, guys, way to wait wait, wait, wait to step up for the lead sponsor there." <laughs> we we got we got a we got a John Deere tractor full of bachelorette parties jackknifed near the near the bridge, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was fun. I had a blast. It was it was a ton of fun. I just I love watching human beings strap themselves to rocket ships and go 190 miles an hour past me. It, and if you haven't done it yet, uh, I, I think I think they're going to stay up there for a couple more days at least. Uh, all of the fencing and the concrete is up on the bridges. So if you want to feel like you're in an IndyCar race, you can go shooting down the you can go shooting down the hill. Please, that is not do not do 175 down the hill or try to. But uh, it does. You do feel like you're in the middle of a race course when you drive by the stadium right now. So that's kind of cool. Yep. There you have it. Uh, special thanks to Chad Withrow for giving us a few minutes of his time. Uh, again, no idea what we accomplished, but I do appreciate him being a good sport about it. Caroline Fenton was outstanding. Go check out her show, of course, every afternoon with Jared Stillman on 1025 The Game. Appreciate them. Lamestream Sports, Steve, is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. Exclusively brought to you by Jaspers. Free parking. Title sponsorship. Hour by jaspers <laughs> yes uh, free parking um outstanding happy hour the menu by dead pocket four top hospitality never disappoint so go check it out where can people find you people can find me on the twitters at scavendish Braden, where can people find you on the socials at Braden gall on twitter at at 440 sports on twitter and facebook at 440 media on instagram special thanks to everybody for joining us this week chad and caroline for steve i'm Braden. thank you for listening this has been lamestream on the 440 sports network